Hi, I'm Erin, and you're listening to The Erin Roy Show. Clouds up ahead, just like memories, float into them with the same Clouds up ahead, just like Here we are recording in Dumbo, Brooklyn, with actress, mother, and spiritual warrior Alice Callahan. She's flashed into popular culture as Jessica Lightenberg in Gossip Girls and pours her heart and soul into her work as artist and humanitarian. We grew up together in Birmingham, Alabama. Hi, I am sitting here with Alice Callahan. <laughs> Hello. Um, We are in Alice's kitchen slash living room in Brooklyn. (laughs) It is one room. (laughs) (laughs) And Alice and I grew up in Alabama together and have both found ourselves in New York. And to me, Alice is somebody who glows. Yeah. You have such a glow to you. And it's just the bronzer. It is heavily... No, I apply bronzer. It's definitely not store-bought. I can assure you of that. <laughs> um, and I think that that sort of coupled with your sense of humor knocks my socks oh off every time I oh see dear. you. Oh, dear. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. Let's start. Um, what's going on in your life right now? Like, what's top of your mind? Well, currently, um, I have a six-month-old sleeping in the bathtub. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we're running out of space. True fact. Don't worry. The bathtub is fully padded. Um, it is safe. <laughs> but we got a baby sleeping in the bathtub. Um, my two and a half year old just went off to his Spanish immersion school. I don't know. Hope he'll hope speak Spanish better than me, hopefully. Um, and I'm sitting here with Aaron, which I'm happy about. Right after this, um, I'm taking the baby to a casting, which is a little bit shameful. <laughs> It's for her. She's only six months old. I know it's embarrassing. It's a little bit like toddlers and tiaras. But my my thinking is, if she's under two, she doesn't know what's going on. And if she makes any money, it can go into a college fund. Or a family trip to Sandals. I mean, either way. Um, so she is going to a casting. Uh, and after that, I have an audition for Orange is the New Black. Oh, wow. Which I'm excited That's about. awesome. Yes. So, um, so it's a double casting. So it's a double casting day. Double. Just, just a showbiz family day. You yeah. know, just mother and daughter. Uh, anyway. And I introduced you as Alice Callahan. Because, yes. Okay. You're still yes. going by well, Callahan. Well, um, Alice Callahan for work because I started working with that name and mm-hmm. kind of kept it going. But then um, upon my marital status, um, I did legally change my name to... Alice Thompson, my husband's last name. So if I'm having if I'm like having a family day, I'm Alice Thompson. <laughs> or if I'm signing into an audition, it's Alice Callahan. <laughs> you like literally put on different hats. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, that's exciting. I, I didn't realize your six month old was getting into the business. Well, as well. <laughs> here I am broadcasting, and I'm actually kind of like embarrassed. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, and that's a great place to sort of jump into because um, I think the last time we saw each other, not saw each other, but the last time I was in your apartment was maybe over three years ago oh, wow. because you were considering adopting at that yes. point and it was a oh, hope is that it, it yeah oh it was gosh. maybe even long ago but it was yes. a hope of yes. yours yes um and I remember it 
quite well because it was you and then also a very good friend of mine in Jackson Hole that mm-hmm. were both really considering adopting. And so much love was coming from both of you. And I was like, wow, there's something to this adopting thing. What is it? And I had my fingers crossed for both of you um, and two very different situations. Like you are married, living in New York. My other friend is actually a single woman who desperately wanted to have a baby. And this many years later, you guys both have toddlers. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> And we're like, why do we do this? <laughs> uh, no, you both seem really clear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can you tell me a little bit about that adoption process for you and, and your husband and, and, and what that means? Yes, I would love to. Um, gosh, when I was in high school, I was first um, like rattled by the concept of children growing up without families. I went to Mexico with a church and just visited some orphanages and couldn't believe what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um I couldn't believe that there were so many children without the constant love of like one or two parent figures. And I just like blew my mind. And I just thought to myself, like, I have to do something about this. Like I have to do something at some point in my life. Like this isn't right. You know, by no fault of their own children are growing up without loving homes Mm -hmm. in institutions bounced around in foster care without the constant support of one person. Um, And, and it just didn't seem right. So after a few years of being married, um, my husband and I started visiting Kenya mm. um, with uh, an organization that we got connected to through our church called Many Hopes. Um, and it's essentially a girl's home slash orphanage, but we call it a home. Um, and a lot of the women and young girls and infants are rescued from international sex trafficking or um, labor trafficking and they are put into this um, home where they try to create the most family-like experience possible by having a lot of house mothers and house dads um, and try to make the ratio of like caregiver to child um, such that they feel like they're in a family, um, which is amazing. And we love to see how the girls are so transformed. And you, when you meet them, they're just, you know, fun and dancing and they just love Taylor Swift and they just like, they, you know, they fit in in any like American dance party. Um, and you just can't imagine that they've been through so much. Um, but so my husband and I were like, well, there's all these children here. What if we adopted here from here? And so we pursued the Kenyan adoption process, which we ended up finding a lot of like roadblocks to, um, sadly, because there is so much international, um, sex trafficking Mm, really and corruption Mm -hmm. there are lots of roadblocks because they're trying to sift out you know the the criminals and and sadly they're not doing a very good job Mm. so it turns out they're only kind of stopping the i guess qualified families and the black market is still happening Mm -hmm. um so it's it's really haunting actually um once we learned that that wasn't going to be possible, we were just like, okay, we're going to keep coming to Kenya and keep visiting these specific girls so we at least feel like we're their aunts and uncles, which we've had the opportunity to do um, four times. And we hope to go back at some point. <laughs> now that we have kids, it's going to be a little trickier, but we definitely will be back at some point. Um, anyway, so then we switched to Ethiopia because um, at the time, Ethiopian adoptions were happening to the U.S. And then after waiting for about 18 months, um, they 
they told us they were shutting down the program for similar reasons, just that there was too much corruption. And we were so sad. Obviously, we were sad selfishly because we were waiting for a child, but we were sad in general that just like there's so much corruption, they're having to shut down these programs. Mm-hmm. And and these children just suffering, just wow. growing older in these orphanages that are, you know, not well-resourced. And um, we were heartbroken. and we, But we really, really did feel like this spiritual, um, emotional, just like concrete calling to adoption. Um, I actually, this is only one of the only times in my life I actually felt like a holier than self, like, I don't know how to describe it, like God called, like, I was like, oh, I really did feel like God making an impression on my heart, not audibly, but I felt a heavy, heavy impression on my heart from God that we were called to adopt specifically first before pursuing um, biological children. Um, And for a while we were like, why? This is so hard. Like all of our friends are having babies. I'm going to baby showers every Saturday. (laughs) I'm like, I don't understand. Like we're ready to have a family. And it's been like over two, now three years of waiting. Um, And we started questioning like, why are we doing this? But we really did feel like we know there's a child out there for us, and we know we're called to do this first. We want to build our family with this child. Um, we want to take a child who was left for adoption and put him or her in the place of being number one in the family. We want to start our family with this child as, like, the firstborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so we were like, okay, Lord, we're going to just, like, keep praying and trusting in you. But it it, it was hard. There were lots of hard moments where we were like, what are we doing? Um, and then after waiting for Ethiopia for a while, I don't know, like maybe nine months. Oh, yeah, I already said that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only a quarter through my coffee, so sorry. It is very early in sentences. the morning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Ethiopia was shut down, and we were like, what are we doing? Around that same time, um, my husband was mentoring this teenager from our church, and he actually needed a place to stay. Um, he was kind of about to enter the system. And we're like, okay, cool. Crash with us for like two weeks. That turned into a year. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we had a teenager who was 16 at the time, turning 17 during the year, um, living here with us. And so it's crazy because we were praying for a baby and we got a teenager. <laughs> not the same. Who um, is not only a teenager, but he's like... He's like a manish teenager. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, but it was amazing, actually. And Kaiser and I look back and laugh about that being one of our favorite years of marriage, even though it's so it was so crazy. We had no business parenting a teenager whatsoever. We're like, you're grounded. Uh. We just like, we're like, what are we doing? We have to have like some kind of order to this but at the same time like we don't know what we're doing so we probably made lots of mistakes but at the end of the day we learned a lot the kid turned out all right so there you go Um, (laughs) but we're still really close with him we call him our godson he's the god brother of our kids he's in college now which we're so happy about Uh not because of us whatsoever (laughs) he did it on his own um but he he's a great guy and we are so grateful because had we gotten a baby when we wanted one you know from kenya or ethiopia we would we probably wouldn't have have felt comfortable bringing anyone else into the home. So it was amazing that um, I think God planned it, that we would take in this teenager during that time of longing to be parents and having that prayer be answered in such a surprising way. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but anyway, so then, so that, so that happened. Um, and during that time, our hearts were, um, just open to the need domestically. Um, we were pursuing international adoption previously. And then after taking in this teenager, we just learned about so many children right here in New York city mm-hmm. who need homes, who are bouncing around in, um, really under-resourced what they call group homes, but they're really like uh, facilities mm-hmm. um, with staff people instead of parents. Um, and the conditions are really dangerous, honestly. And they're overcrowded and underfunded. And there's a lot of um, abuse and neglect. And it's it's really, really dark, honestly. And you think of New York City of being home to all the like rich and famous influencers, but you don't realize that like behind all, you know, every closed door in the shadows, there are so many children hmm. that are essentially homeless and familyless who are being raised by the system and it's not a kind one hmm. not in the city. So we um, we were like, Lord, are you changing our hearts towards Towards America, <laughs> God bless the USA. Yes, can you, can you cue that song at some point? Yeah, totally. I think Maybe you just did. Maybe the gong. <laughs> um, so, like, okay, let's get on the list domestically. We'll say we're open to any state, any race, any background, whatever. Like, we just want a child, um, another child, <laughs> in addition to the team. <laughs> and like, okay, Lord, we'll give it a year, but then, like, please, like, we're so ready for this. And it's crazy because, um, yeah, well. Sorry, I'm going on and on about this no, story. No, this okay. is okay. good. Okay, I could cut it short, but I'll just, I'll just no, keep on. I think, the, I think the details. It. Okay, I'll get the details. <laughs> so um, after waiting maybe uh, six months, we got a call on Christmas Eve. We were actually down in Alabama walking into the Christmas Eve service. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what? We got a call from our agency. They're like, a baby boy has been, baby boy has been born. We're on like, Christmas Eve? Yeah. We're like, an angel of God brought a child on Christmas Eve. No, it was very, like, to me, analogies. Like, I think I am the Virgin I Mary. I yeah. song there. Exactly. I'm like, I am. Yeah, exactly. It was very, like, oh, is this real? Um, and so we flew home the next day here, and we're so excited. On Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. We flew back to New York, drove to Connecticut, and we're like, okay, this is happening. Like, I can't believe it. And I felt like I had been pregnant for, like, four years you know, like finally, I'm wow. like having this baby. Interesting, yeah. And, Giving uh, birth to this. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we fully felt like it. He, it was a boy. We fully felt like he was already ours. Mm. And we like in the car drive over there, just like we felt like our family was starting, and all these dreams were like, you know, about to happen. And we got there. We're like, we're here. We're in the parking lot outside of Dunkin' Donuts outside of the hospital. We're like, we're here. What do we do? We're here. Calling our agent. No one's answering. We're like, we're here, guys. Where, where's the baby? Where are we? What? You know? And kept calling, and no one was answering. And Kaiser was like, something must have gone wrong. And I was like, no, no. They just, uh, I'll just keep calling. And then finally, our agent called and said, I'm so sorry. She's gone home with the baby. She was 15, this, this birth mother. And we were heartbroken. Um, but in retrospect, you know, if that was the right thing for her to stay with her birth mother, um, then that's the right thing. We had to just like trust God that like this baby is staying in the right place. But we, you know, like I said, I thought I had been pregnant for four years. And then to have this baby for how I felt like taken from me was devastating. 
we drove home in silence and we just couldn't believe, like, we didn't understand it. We're like, that seemed like a lot <laughs> for, for nothing. And hmm. I just was like, Lord, like, why, like, why are you doing this to us? Um, but I think I felt like deep down there must be some greater purpose in this pain um, because we felt like God had called us to this for a reason. And then we're going through these things like our teenager who was like completely God ordained. And then this disappointment, we're like, we don't understand this God, but we're just going to keep trusting you. Um, and um, then it, it ended up happening two more times, but not as dramatically the next two times. They were, we weren't like at the hospital, but we were kind of like on hold for um, a, a baby. And then the birth mother either changed her mind or picked a different family. And those were hard times as well. But we're like, okay, Lord, like you're putting us through a lot, but hopefully it's there's a reason. And I will say, looking back now, I'm so grateful that we went through that because I have friends who um, are pursuing this process and have gone through similar disappointments. And I love, I really like, I'm so glad that I can say, I know how you feel. Mm -hmm. um, because you do feel really lonely. Um, and you don't, you know, if you don't have a community of people that have been through it, people can say like, oh, I'm so sorry, but it really means a lot for someone to say like, I've been there too. I know how that feels. Um, so I'm so grateful that, that we went through that because um, I want to be able to be a support for people, <coughs> excuse me, who are going through it too. Mm -hmm. And it is super common, you know, you're dealing with people, mm -hmm. you know, and emotions and babies. And of course, like, you know, sometimes the birth mothers change their mind, of course, or a grandmother steps up or the birth mother feels a different family would be a better fit. It has, I mean, it does happen. So it's part of the risk you take when you sign up for this process that you might get your heart stepped on a few times mm -hmm. but you have to just trust that like at the end of it there is a child that's right for you and you just have to like trust you know and something about the way that you're describing it makes me realize that you know humanity is is such a web and that by you learning to trust that though you were not going to be the mother and father of that child that child was still going on in some way to be cared for and loved in the way that it was meant to, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. So disappointments, trusting, and, and then what? Well, so after three times, yeah. <laughs> we're like, okay, Lord, like seriously though? And we're almost at the year mark at this point of waiting domestically. Uh -huh. And we're like, okay, Lord, we were like, we're hoping this is gonna happen within the year. Um, and then it's, it's so weird. We had this opportunity to go to, um, to Colorado. Um, Kaiser had a work opportunity and we were like, okay, let's, let's go on a ski trip. I'm a terrible skier, by the way. Green, green all Me the way. Like, dancers shouldn't be on skis. No, I agree. It's just too many limbs. Yeah. The poles are flying. And I love my body too much. Yeah, and then like, I have to kill it. Yeah, exactly. After all this work. <laughs> yeah, totally. I fell off the ski lift. Um, <laughs> Yes. yes, and then Kaiser, instead of helping me, just took pictures because he was like, this is amazing, <laughs> like face first, like a spider. And it's so frustrating because we feel like we're supposed to be super coordinated. Yeah, and like, yeah no, 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 not at all. Okay. So I was, on a, I was on a suicide <laughs> mission on a, on a ski trip. I had no business being on skis. Um, and Kaiser and I thought, okay, we're just going to like spend this weekend just like being grateful for what, for what we have. And, you know, maybe it's time to start thinking about 
opening up our parameters and just saying, Lord, like we've been trusting you. We believe that you're still like going to do this for us. And we just have to like, let it go and just, I don't know, recommit this journey to you. And by the way, like, pretty grateful for what we have we're like on top of the mountain like having a beer like beautiful like opera ski like looking out at the gorgeous beaver creek countryside i'm like oh, we can't really be like poor us you know we're waiting for a baby just taking longer than expected it's like okay calm down you have a lot to be grateful for yeah. and it's gonna happen you know and like i mean just the the privilege of even getting to live in a place in a time where you can choose how you live your life period is a ridiculous blessing so it just like it made us I don't know it made us sit back and be like okay let's be grateful for what we have and then then we started skiing down the mountain our last little like thing I mean I was kind of just holding on for dear life but anyway we made it and during that last little run to the bottom of the hill we had missed all these calls from our agency Wow. And we got on the little gondola and we like he checked his phone and he was like, I have like 17 missed calls from our agency. And I was like, I'm gonna me too. We're like, what's happening? And we literally like checked our voicemail and they're like, okay. Um, they're like, hello, this is Pat Comley from Bethany Christian Services in New Jersey. We're like, yeah, we know who it is. <laughs> like, well, we have a baby boy born in New Jersey. Um, he's eight weeks old. We're like, okay, yes. And um, so yeah, that was that's when we found out about our son. And that's our son. Like, So he was eight weeks old. Yeah, he was eight weeks old. And they told us um, that we could that we could come back and, and pick him up. We're like, what? So it's just crazy because, like, in that moment of, like, literally, like, actually saying, like, okay, we, we're going to let this go. We accept. We surrender. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And literally, that's when we got these calls. It's almost like God. It was just, like... I have chills. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Really, I think about it, and I'm just like, did that happen? Um, so, um, so yeah, they said he's eight weeks old, and we're like, okay, we don't want to fly back unless this is for real, though. You know, we're like, we, we're like, okay, how like, real is it? And they're like, she's already signed over her surrenders to you. I'm like, what? Um, because sometimes you can take a baby, and then the birth mother has a certain amount of time, depending on the state, to change your mind mm-hmm. um, and we just didn't know if we could go through another heartbreak and so it's just like crazy that she'd already like signed over her surrenders and um, they said that uh, she knew she couldn't um, parent She and she she's an amazing person for being so um, selfless that she like took inventory of her life and knew that she couldn't be a, be a parent and decide to do this huge sacrifice of placing her child in the hands of someone else so i respect her so much for for making the decision for her child um during that eight week period um there there were some different caretakers involved Hmm. um and it was sort of a journey um for her deciding to actually go to this agency our agency and it's so crazy they the birth mothers have these little portfolio books with which they use to decide who gets their child. Oh, yes, I've heard of this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean you were like telling crazy. me, actually. Yeah. So you make a, like, a photo book mm-hmm. with little captions, like, this is my life, this is my dog, this is my house. And um, this little book made of paper and photos is what 
like a birth mother uses to choose who gets her child. Mm-hmm. And this is how this is how a child came into my life because of like iPhoto. Like it's nuts. So anyway, we we made this book that's kind of cheesy. Um, <laughs> but we're like, we live in Dumba. There's a carousel. We like to go to Coney Island. And we're like, we're fun. And, but we're also serious. We love children. I don't know. It's like we tried to like, you know, market ourselves. Yeah. Um, and anyway, we're really grateful because she liked it, I guess. And so she signed her thing over without even meeting us. So we, we knew that like, when we flew home wow. and drove there, this, we were going we to get this child. And then we got there, and she was an hour late. <laughs> oh, was, oh my God, you you oh, must yeah. have been crumbling. Oh, yeah, I didn't breathe for an hour. I yeah. was just like, what's happening? We're like, Lord, really, though? Um, and then she walked in the door with this baby. And I just, like, that's the second that I became a mom. Mm-hmm. And she, she started crying when Kaiser was holding her, and she said, see, this boy needs a father. I couldn't give him a father. And we just hugged and cried, and we spent four hours together, and it was the most like profound four hours of my life, like the transaction of a human life. Like, what's more important than that? It was just like this unbelievable experience. And then I was like, okay, bye, good luck. And then we left, drove away with the baby in our car. We're like, what are we doing? <laughs> Like, okay, we like prayed and wanted a baby for so long, and now we literally don't know what to do. Yeah. So then I started Googling what to do with the eight week old. Um, I didn't like, pr- I didn't plan that far, you know? Like, I got the car seat, but I like, didn't know how to like make a bottle. Um, so it took a little while to figure it all out. But um, yeah, so now here he is, two and a half years later, and he is an amazingly spirited, like wild two and a half year old. and. He reminds me of my husband for good, good and bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's wild and he's fearless. And I, I wish he had a little more fear of like the scooter on the sidewalk. I'm mm-hmm. like, please mm-hmm. slow down. Cracking the car's coming. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm like, let's just, um, but he's, uh, he just keeps me on my toes and I'm so in love with him. And at night I tell him that we prayed for a baby just like him for years and years and God said okay but you have to wait and we said please God we're ready for our baby and he said okay but you have to wait and then God picked a beautiful woman to grow you in her belly for us and we said we're ready and then he said okay he's ready for you so we drove to New Jersey and that's when we became a family and that's how God puts families together so I try to tell him about his story even since he was a baby just so that he'll have the language for it as he starts to piece things together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be easy navigating the um, adoption discovery, but um, we pray that we'll have the wisdom of how to give him dignity and honor and and just empower him with his like unique heritage. And um, we pray that we can have a relationship with her moving forward. Um, pray that he'll know her as a wonderful woman who, who loves him so much. And, you know, like I said, we're learning as we go, but, um, we're going to, God led us to this point. So we know he's not going to abandon us now. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Um, 
And how is he a good older brother? How is that? Oh working my gosh, out? it's amazing. No, it is amazing. <laughs> I was just like, how is this gonna go down? And he loves her so much. Like no matter what kind of mood he's in, he always loves sister. So he, he likes to t- like tell me what she's up to. He's like, sister crying, sister poo poo die, sister hungry, sister sleepy. He likes to just like tell me what she's up to and. He like wants to be, you know, a major help. He'll help me with her diapers, which sometimes becomes more of a mess than is necessary. <laughs> but I like to include him and tell him like that he's doing a great job. Um, so yeah, he likes to play with her. He likes to balance things on her head, which is kind of strange. Yeah. Um, stuffed animals are fine, but once we like pull out dumbbells, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It gets a little but all those kettlebells you keep stored around. Exactly. But I'm like, you know what? People have been having siblings since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And older brothers have been rough with babies since Genesis. So I'm pretty sure that, like, she'll be fine, you know, with a little rough and tumble big brother action. Again, a little, uh, a little trust. Yeah, exactly. Got to. I mean, when you can't control everything, especially in a small New York space, like, you're going to have yeah. a lot of contact. Yeah. Um, but, but now we're really grateful um, that he's into her. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I like, even having known you, uh, you know, somewhat growing up and then as an adult now, you're just this amazing mixture of depth and then this really wonderful sense of humor. And no, I mean, first of all, I'm like, you know, when we were teenagers, I'm few years older than you if not a few more than that but you know it's like that age gap is so big mm-hmm. when you're that age yeah, totally. so it's like in my mind you're like little little Alice Callahan <laughs> right <laughs> thank you yes I'm just this young little farm barely can walk yeah um and then now um to be literally sitting at, first of all it's an honor just to know you oh please uh no it is I mean like that you share yourself and, and, and that's, um, not everybody does that. And I'm appreciative of that. And I hope, and I know that other people are as well. Um, can you trace your, your generosity back to anything? I mean, where do you think that that comes from? Um, thank you for saying that. I'm, I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I feel like even having the ability to be generous and choose how you're gonna live your life and grow your family is a privilege that only like a percentage of a percentage of the world gets. I think that feeling like I've been given a lot in this world, loving family, like. I don't know, the ability to go to Sweet Green and buy a salad without even like freaking out about spending $10 on a salad I shouldn't do, but you know, the ability to like choose what I'm going to wear and what I'm going to eat is something that is a privilege, like I said, and I'm like, I feel like a responsibility with that privilege. Like I feel like, you know, as it, as it said, those who have been given a lot, a lot is required. Hmm. So I almost feel like hmm. it's an honor to be have get have been given a lot in life and so it makes sense to to give out as a response um and I do feel like my faith journey has led me to this place and I make tons of mistakes 
and I am selfish a lot and I, um, you know, hurt others and myself and I make bad choices. I mean, all those things. But at the end of the day, I do feel like I'm at least striving for the orientation of my life to be somewhat in the ballpark close to what Jesus has called me to. Um, as a Christian, you know, I feel like sometimes Christians have, have gotten a bad rap in the press for being non-Christian-like and being judgmental and um, alienating people groups. And I mean, just over the decades, there's been persecution by the church. And so it's almost like I hesitate to even like shout from the rooftops um, how important my faith is to me because mm-hmm. I know that in this time, there's a lot of baggage associated with religion Mm -hmm. and Christianity. Um, But the truth is the Jesus of the Bible is, was a man who loved everyone, gave himself for everyone, didn't judge anyone. He was the one, like the first person to be like associated with the untouchables or the homeless, the prostitutes. Like he was literally hanging out with the people of society that had been discarded. Um, he's the one that like broke his heart for the fatherless. And he's like, the Bible has called us to, there's a verse that says true religion is this, um, like helping widows and orphans in need or other translations, um, widows and orphans in their distress and becoming a father to the fatherless. And I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, the Jesus who walked this earth, loved people, and then suffered for everyone, suffered for all of our sins. That's the guy that I'm trying to follow. Um, and like I said, I get it wrong a lot, but at least that's the like starting point. Um, so that informs, I guess, yeah, how I'm trying to live. And not like, oh, I'm so great. I'm just like Jesus. <laughs> not like that. But I'm just saying that, like, you asked where does the generosity come from? And I can't take credit is what I'm trying to say. God blessed me with privilege of having choices in my life. And because of that, it actually feels like a natural impulse to want to give back. And I'm more fulfilled, obviously, too, when I'm living in the center of God's will for my life by being generous because I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, it is more blessed to give than receive, but it's true. I actually am more fulfilled when I'm stepping into how I was made, which I believe as a Christian, I was made to give and I could do more. Obviously everyone could, but, um, at least that's kind of like the baseline starting point. Um, that's why my husband and I felt called to adopt. That's why we, um, want to raise our children with, um, an awareness of other people um, and their struggles and how, you know, we can be creative and give to other people. Not that because, not because we're better than them, but because like that's the biggest joy in the human experience is to give to another human. Mm. So um, does that answer the yeah, question? It does. <laughs> and on a human level, when you do wrong by someone or something, like what's yeah, Dr. Kaiser? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Kaiser. 
<laughs> I have a feeling there are a few in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's what's your process for um, forgiving yourself and apologizing? Like, yeah. What's your what do you do in those moments of being a not so hot human? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think that it's easy to. Uh, take out frustrations of the day on the person closest to you, which happens to be my husband. Um, I'm sorry, the AC just It's all right. Is that okay? Do you want me to turn it off? If you can. Yes. Stand by. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you know, I, when you let your guard down and it's easy to like make the closest person, the verbal punching bag, um, can let out a really small frustration on my husband and you know, right after you do it, it's like, you're kind of embarrassed because you know, you like, you just like, let it go. And you're just like, Ooh. So, so there's a, there's like a moment of just like, I didn't do that. I, duh. And, um, wanting to like kind of defend yourself or kind of brush past it because you're kind of like, I'm embarrassed. Um, it is embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause you're like, Ooh, that's not what I want to do. That's, and then and this, this is always the dumbest thing too, that you get mad mm-hmm. about or defensive about. And I'm like, Oh, that's ooh. So you try to like make it work. You like got to fight it and like defend it. And that just makes it so much worse. Um, and then gosh, who knows? I mean, after a time period short or I don't know, long, uh, you know, when you have, when you have some moments to have a little internal dialogue and, take a deep breath and, uh, you know, realize like, okay, that was a mistake. And, you know, just either like go right to him and apologize or try to make a joke about it and then apologize. Just to, just kind of see where he's at. <laughs> just kind of, and then he doesn't laugh. I'm like, oh, okay, I got to do like apology, like, like, you know, a grander apology. <laughs> right, that one didn't like work. Step two, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you gotta like gauge like how upset he is and then decide like how big of an apology act I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely like communicating with God. I mean, again, I, I wish I was in closer communion with God and that he was my first, um, like, I guess, person I go to. Um, in those moments because that would really change my perspective. I mean, if I, if I honestly did like go right to God in that moment, I think it would really help. And I would kind of hear that still small voice, like, you know, like we we're called to forgive everyone at the end of the day. So if, if Kaiser offends me, then, and I want to harbor unforgiveness in my heart and like hold it against him for power. It's like, no, that's not, no. And kind of God, mm. I feel like almost a playing field, like, as a Christian, like you don't have the right to judge anyone because God has forgiven you for everything and loves you so much. So, I mean, not only with my husband, but with everyone, it's like you don't really get to judge people. You don't get to because God has forgiven you of so much. And if I want to judge someone else, then it's like I'm putting myself up for judgment too. And I couldn't handle it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't add up, you know? So it's like, um, I don't know, trying to just like realize that I'm not perfect. And so apologize, apologize to myself, apologize to God, feel forgiveness and move on. No need to dwell in the past, you know, um, no need to spend a lot of time um, thinking about mistakes, just like move on. Every day is new, you know, like the Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. So it's just like trying holding on of pain holding on to pain or regret from years ago just 
takes up your brain space. Uh-huh. Just, I, don't, I don't have the real estate for that. I can barely manage what's right in front of me, <laughs> let alone like a large chunk of real estate in my brain for the past. So um, trying to live in the present. It's funny, that's becoming like a popular thing, you know, like mindfulness and presentness. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this has been in the Bible for like <laughs> millions of decades yeah. or whatever, you know, just like living in the moment and like, um, yeah, not letting the past define you. And so it's it's cool that that's becoming like, the thing everyone's Instagramming about, you know, it is, and I have to believe that it's part of a, of a sea change that's happening mm-hmm. in our culture mm-hmm. right now, and and it is. It's amazing how social media is playing a role in that, and that social media can be both good and evil. But yeah. in, in that way, you know, I, I say more power to it, even, even if people are understanding it on whichever level they're able to mm-hmm. at the moment that they're consuming yeah, sure. it like a really glamorous picture of a coffee cup overlooking a beach like mindful living and I'm like I'm here I've got poop on my hands I've got like baby food on my pants and I'm trying to be mindful too it doesn't look the same but trying to get there Uh, and I would imagine you yourself are an incredibly forgiving person again as my husband yeah I want to be, I want to be definitely, (laughs) you know, with friends and family, but you know, it's again, like I'm, it's a process and learning to forgive um, the person closest to you can be a challenge even for little things. So yes, I, I hoped to be so, but, um, I I have been forgiven of a lot. So it kind of makes me feel like, uh, I guess I have to forgive others too. Yeah. Uh, let's change gears completely. Okay. Uh, you were on Gossip Girls for many years. Speaking of mindfulness Speaking and of forgiveness <laughs> and virtues. And society reaching new heights of consciousness. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Perfect segue. Thanks. Um, uh, what was that process like for you? I mean, you. we grew up in Alabama. We grew up in Birmingham. We both danced, and I know we both still love, like, it's obviously, like, a very um, big part of who we are. Um, but did you ever dream? You did. You dreamed. Did you dream that you'd move to the big city and, and, and make it? <laughs> Quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, growing up dancing, I thought that dance is what I would pursue in New York. Um and then I realized in like maybe ninth grade, I was like, ooh, I'm probably not going to make it in New York dancing. Uh-huh. Um, but so, I still yeah. wanted to move here and still wanted to do something. But I knew that ballet like was not in the cards for me. Um, but I wanted to at least try something. So I literally thought when I first moved here, I was like, I know, I'm going to work at the TKTS booth. So at least I'm like kind of close to Broadway, <laughs> like on like in the same block. I literally was like, that's my biggest aspiration is like, getting a job at the TKTS like discount booth and selling like discounted tickets to Wicked. And if Instagram was big, then it would have been like pound working on Broadway. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, don't mind me on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, totally. Notice I said pound rather yeah. than hashtag exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah, Great. Okay. Symbol. Let's not forget that. Right? <laughs> All these years, people have forgotten. It's true. It's pound. It's pound. Thank you. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to move here. I wanted to pursue something. I didn't know how it was going to go down. Um, I started approaching women in Starbucks with strollers on the Upper East Side and just like telling them I was a babysitter. And because I just had to figure out how to make money. It's like kind of <laughs> creepy, but I literally just approached them and be like, hey, y'all, I'm from Alabama. I'm a babysitter. And people trusted me. I think that's the accent. <laughs> 
like literally like I don't know blonde southern 21 year old they're like you're hired I'm like I've got references they're like it doesn't matter you start today and I was Desperate. like I don't understand why people are so willing to take me into their home but I'll but I'll go for it mm-hmm. um so I was babysitting um a lot all over the place which was crazy but it it made me learn how to use this New York subway and uh what else was I doing at the beginning? I mean, I just wanted to live here. I didn't really, I didn't think that I would actually be able to work in film mm. and television or dance or I didn't think it would actually happen, but I wanted to at least try. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try. So I um, got the copy of the backstage back when things were printed out yes. before the app. Yes. I got, I like bought my like $5 back, but it's actually a splurge, $5 worth. The backstage was a newspaper that has all the listings of um, like performance auditions and I like circled in Sharpie um, to go to like the Rockettes audition and moving out and various other like dance auditions where you don't have to sing <laughs> yeah I know right <laughs> <laughs> which I did a few of those too and those were I did try a singing audition one time and I literally started crying <laughs> at the first note. It was like, no, I can, I mean, oh yeah, God, no, I can totally sympathize. <laughs> yeah. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I can't control my emotions. <laughs> right now, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. Like, can I just do a dance routine while I'm singing? Um, yeah. So tried all kinds of things. Eventually got a job teaching dance at um, Broadway Dance Center. Mm-hmm. I went to like a work study program where you got to like, you know, clean the toilets for free classes. And then that turned into teaching um, kids, ballet, tap, and jazz, ages three to nine. And I was like, cool. I'm so happy just to be like moving and dancing and getting paid to dance, even though it was worth two year olds in tap shoes, <laughs> which was a headache. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, so I was just babysitting and teaching dance. And then someone from my church, uh, at, the t- at the time, the church I was going to, said, hey, you should come to my modeling agency. I was like, mm, that sounds embarrassing, but I've already embarrassed myself so much. Might as well. You know, I've <laughs> right, already done so many embarrassing things yeah. <laughs> that, like, if they laugh me out of there, then, like, it actually won't be the worst thing that's happened to me today. Um, so I went to a modeling agency, and it was, like, this, like, rickety modeling agency that was also an eyebrow salon. And, like, the person at the front desk had no teeth, blue eyeshadow. She was, like, this hilarious character. I was just like, is this real? And they said they hire me. They ended up never really paying me for the jobs I did because Surprising. it was rickety. And again, also an eyebrow um, threading salon. Um, but I was like, oh, this could be something. This is way easier than dance. You just have to stand here. Like, I can definitely do this. You don't have to sing. You just literally stand here. So modeling turns out is super easy. Um, so I started doing that. And then eventually got to get into an agency that, you know, is a little bit more accredited. Um, actually did get paid for jobs. And I was like, okay, this is easier than babysitting and teaching dance. I'm going to keep Pays doing this. more. Yeah, it does. Um, and then I really wanted to pursue acting and I tried a few times to audition for agents and none of it went anywhere went to took classes went to open calls nothing went anywhere um and then finally I got with a modeling agency that had a connection to an acting agency and they gave me an intro anyway so it just took one person after years of trying on my own it took one person from my modeling agency making a call for me and then I was in I'm like what that's it okay mm-hmm. this is great it's just like so weird yeah um so then they were letting me try out for commercials my first commercial audition was for a tampon commercial wow and it said, said to come in dance clothes so I thought ballet clothes leotard and tights I would have too I can't even <laughs> imagine what they mean right they meant club club dancing oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so everyone's in like mini skirts and like sparkling halter tops, and I am in tights, a leotard, and like a ballet like conservative wrap skirt. Um, so I was like, okay, so probably not gonna get this tampon commercial, but I'm gonna try. Um, didn't get it, um, but was like again like I've embarrassed myself this much like let's keep doing this so I kept trying out for things mm-hmm. trying out for things um and the, the way they have it in my agents my acting agency it's separate the commercial division and then the what they call the legit division it's kind of like um it's a film and tv but it kind of is derogatory towards the other side like this is a legit acting and this we is like fake seriously yeah, exactly <laughs> but I'm like I'll do either um but it, it was kind of hard to cross over from the commercial side to the quote-unquote legit side um but I hoped that they would give me a chance at some point. And then and an audition came up for Step It Up 2. From the amazing oh, yeah. Step, Step It Up series. And was that one of our... Was Robert Hoffman? Oh, yeah, exactly. Another high school friend yes. was in Step Up 1. Yes. I don't know if he was oh. in Step Up 2. I think he was. Maybe. I don't know. Man, what a dream to follow Robert Hoffman's footsteps. That would have been awesome. <laughs> um, but they gave me the chance to audition for it, um, even though it was a legit job because of my dance background. And I got a few callbacks and... That I didn't get the job, but um, that made that division say, "Okay, we'll we're, we'll give you a shot." And then I proceeded to try out for Gossip Girl like six or seven times. Did you really? Wow! <laughs> Always for like these one-liners, mm-hmm. you know, or like a just a really small part, like girl at bar who says check please, or waitress who says like who wants another beer. I mean, just like really small parts, but still, I was excited. Mm-hmm. And, sure. Um, Every time I went in there, I was just like, uh, I'm ready. And again, I was like trying to incorporate my faith into it and just be like, Lord, okay, these doors are opening for the audition. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep walking into these open doors and seeing what happens and like praying like, Lord, if you want me to get this job, like, please make it so. I'm going to do my part by learning the lines. The line, you know, not that hard. Check, please. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> but still, I'm like just trying to trust um, that if it's meant to be it would be and uh, then like seven times in I'm like alright this is just like wasting everybody's time and like of course the eighth time mm-hmm. the one where I'm like you know what this is a waste of everybody's time they're not going to pick me um, of course that's the time you know so it goes back to like when you decide to like give it up and almost throw it away that's yes. when like it works because yes. they can tell mm-hmm. that you are like that you don't need it you know I've survived the past seven times not getting the job they don't want to book you on a job if they think you need it you mm-hmm. know they're like it's weird but um yeah so it's funny because that time I was just like you know what I'm gonna go for it and took cares and that's when I booked it and it's crazy because that was the only one that ended up become I mean this character I tried out for ended up becoming a four season recurring role Mm -hmm. whereas the other ones were just these one episode deals and so again so grateful that I didn't get those other ones they wouldn't have cast me again so I'm like I should have trusted all along because <laughs> it became this four season gig that I thought, yeah, if I hadn't, if I hadn't, if I'd gotten one of the other ones, I wouldn't have been able to do it for four years. So that was amazing. I mean, getting to work on a real TV set was just so neat. And I got to make some really great friendships, some actors I'm still really close with today. Um, and I mean, I was just like wide eyed learning like, oh, this is how it works, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I was really just, like, taking it all in because I hadn't had a lot of training. I hadn't had training in TV or film. And so right. I was just trying to, like, act like I knew what was going on. They're like, okay, Crafty's over here. I'm like, what does that mean, Crafty? 
and like that's where the food is. I'm right. like, oh, okay, I got it. I know what kind of That's where the food is. Is there awesome. chocolate? Yeah, exactly. And there was so much food. It's free. It was amazing. I would bring food home. <laughs> like, yeah, I that was my favorite part was the free food, um, and getting to just like learn, um, like in action. So, um, so yeah, Gossip Girl is like a really special experience for me. Yeah. And apparently, it's still popular. Like people still like this show, oh, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like it's like being syndicated in you know all these different countries all over the world, and people are into it still. Mm-hmm. And every blue moon, it's always when I look my worst. I'm always like when I'm like foaming at the mouth, haven't showered in days, like again, like poop on my elbows from my kids or dog. Um, it's always when I look like crazy person that someone like recognizes me like in the neighborhood or somewhere someone will be like oh you're a gossip girl and I'm like uh, but I yes. look so much better in yeah. that show how did you even recognize exactly. me <laughs> no but I'm really like how could they because I look so different I got the hair and makeup is done and I'm a few years younger and I'm just like I don't know how I'm like, they, they must have been big fans like for them to recognize me now they must have really really watched every episode I'm, that's gonna have a cult classic status in like 15 I swear to god I mean I remember I was living I think in Wyoming at the time that it was popular and and Mm -hmm. airing and and I got into it a little bit late and I was like (laughs) it felt like such a guilty pleasure but I would Mm -hmm. literally stay home like friends were going out to bars and meeting people and having fun like (laughs) and we had a projector I would like project it up onto the wall it was really fun yeah it's back when we were watching shows like live yeah exactly and waiting for the next episode not being able just to like sit there on Netflix and watch a whole series in 10 hours. Yeah. yeah it's a different time. It was. <laughs> That's really all the time that we have, which makes me sad because I have so many more questions for you. Um, I'll just throw out two just to kind of wrap things up. But what's one thing that you miss about the South? The food. The food. Yes. Fried everything. <sighs> yes. Limeades, sweet tea. Limeade from Gilchrist? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. No judgment when you get fried everything. Like the shrimp platter is like tater tots, hush puppies, fried fish, fried shrimp, French fries. And, and no one thinks twice, whereas here that would be like, I don't know, frowned upon. You, um, yeah, may not even be able to find it. Yeah. <laughs> and of course I miss my family and my friends. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but that limeade. <laughs> after the tater tots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, will, you, will you tell us a secret? A secret of some sort. Oh my gosh. Um, secret. Sometimes. Well, okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, when, okay. when I feed my baby, sometimes um, I have to just take her clothes off because she's six months old and food goes everywhere and that way I don't have to do laundry. You know, it's less mess to like let her just have, have, a, have a naked meal. And then sometimes I translate that to my own life. If I'm alone in the house and I get like a big burrito or something amazing, I'm like, you know what? Why risk getting it on my shirt? No one's here. I can just enjoy this meal in the solitude of my own nudity. So occasionally I might have a burrito without having a shirt on. But again, it's, I'm inspired by my children and I'm free in my own home. I love Please it. Don't air only, that. only burritos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kids don't do this at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alice. It's, thank you. Yeah, Aaron. pleasure. I and um, can talk. Definitely. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to the Aaron Roy Show. I'll leave you with Liz Delise and her song "Clouds Up Ahead." <laughs>